Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, whether you're watching the live stream on Facebook or YouTube, or watching on Faith Plus, Faith Plus On Demand, listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're continuing our study of the book of Judges with an emphasis of looking for different things that will help us live the way God has called us to live and answer the call of God that's upon our lives. It's very important that we follow the plan of God on the days we live in, and it's very important that we fulfill our call. God has called each and every one of us. One of the things my wife and I were talking uh, a couple months ago now, or around there, we were on vacation, and we uh, had a morning walk, and we were drinking coffee, walking, talking about different things, and we started talking about the plan of God and the call of God, and you know, being exactly where God wants you to be and being, being in His plan. And I said, to me, that's not enough. I can't just be in His plan. I need to fulfill His plan for my life. You know, and she said, well, what is the difference from being in the plan and fulfilling the plan? I said, some people never finish. They never complete the call. They get in the call a little bit, but they don't fulfill it. And it's my goal in my life to fulfill the plan of God for my life, fulfill the call of God upon my life. For when I stand before him, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And one of the things we'll find here in the book of Judges and one of the next Bible studies I'm preparing for you all, we'll see different keys on how we can do just that. One of the things we shared last week is that the key to understanding the book of Judges, because as we shared, the book of Judges is a tragedy. And hey, if you haven't already, my notes are available on the YouVersion Bible app. So if you go to the YouVersion Bible app right now and go to Faith Christian Center, you'll see all my notes for tonight. Also, in the YouVersion Bible app, you can now mark Faith Christian Center as your church. And they have a lot of updates coming concerning. That's going to be really cool. So we're looking forward to partnering with YouVersion and uh, being a beneficiary of those results as we go forward in what God has called us to do. And so when you go to the YouVersion Bible app, you can select Faith Christian Center as your church. But you'll also see our notes for tonight. And every week we're finding these notes with you. If you miss any of these parts before tonight, I encourage you to go listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or watch it on our YouTube channel or on our Faith Plus app on demand. So the key verse to understanding this book as a tragedy, understanding everything that's going on, is the last verse of the book. It's also repeated earlier twice, but this verse says, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Or another translation, everyone did as they saw fit. Now, we know that's dangerous because they're not living according to the word of God. Everyone's doing as what they thought was right. Because remember, Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. And so it explains why the book of Judges is not just a cycle. It's a spiral. And when we look at this last uh, few chapters of the book of Judges, they are horrific, filled with horrific things. But this is the point, telling you, you got to this place, you had a promising beginning, you ended up in this tragic ending because everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so let's pick up where we left off in Judges chapter 3. And so once again, explaining the spiral concept or the cycle concept we see in the book of Judges. It's revealed in Judges chapter 2. It reveals the cyclical nature of the book, and we see it played out in all the repeating chapters. We see there is the cycle where it starts with sin. The nation sins and gets involved with more and more and more sin. And then after they sin, they are oppressed. 
And then after a period of being oppressed, they repent. And after they repent, God raises up a judge and they are delivered. And then after they're delivered, they have a long period of peace. And eventually they sin again and then they're oppressed. Then they repent, then they're delivered, and then they experience peace. So once again, that cycle is sin led to oppression. And then as a result of the oppression, they repented. As a result of the repentance, they were delivered. And as a result of the deliverance, they experienced peace. So the stages of the cycle is sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, peace. And as we've done these studies, I've given you reflection questions that I want you to reflect on and I want you to answer. It's going to help you as we go through this book and as you identify what God has called you to do and go forward in the call that's on your life. Here are the reflection questions for the sake of review. Reflection question number one, is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? What do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan for your life and for his direction for your life? Reflection question number two, what are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power? Reflection question number three, have you ever considered that what God has called you to do is an expression and a manifestation of his mercy for others? Reflection question number four, are there areas in your life where you are currently contained because you are not doing as God instructed you to do? Reflection question number five, is your life a continual cycle of things you do not like? Are you in a pattern that you cannot seem to break? Is there a specific sin or poor decision that is causing you to go through this cycle? Reflection question number six. Are there areas where you've been praying for victory or expansion and that you're not mature enough to enter into? Have you limited your potential harvest as a result of your level of maturity? What is an area of your life that you keep hitting a brick wall in that you know is already promised to you? What is the area of character God has been telling you to develop that you've been avoiding and making excuses for? Because that sometimes that character issue you haven't developed is connected to that brick wall you're running into. Reflection question number seven. Does your level of consistency match the level of promotion that you are seeking? What area of your life do you need to become more consistent in? Once again, all these reflection questions are found in my notes, which are available in the YouVersion Bible app. So Judges chapter 3, looking at verses 1 through 4, a little bit more review, and then we'll get into where we're going tonight. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations where the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them, to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And so we start looking at these groups of people who were left. The Philistines, we hear about them all throughout the Old Testament, especially when we're familiar with the Philistines, especially because we know the story of King David. Well, the Philistines, they're even referred to as the Sea Peoples in ancient Egyptian texts, were a group of people who migrated by sea from the islands and areas of the Aegean Sea. They migrated and settled along the coast and had five major cities ruled by lords that acted as a council ruling the land of the Philistines. The Canaanites, as we covered, were a diverse group of people in the area, verse group of different cities and people in the area. The Zidonians were inhabitants of Sidon, a seaport on the Mediterranean Sea in modern Lebanon. They were Phoenicians. Sidon would become the birthplace of Queen Jezebel. 
The Hivites lived in the northern section of Canaan below Mount Hermon. The Gibeonites who made a peace treaty with Joshua were Hivites. The main cities of the Hivites were Gibeon, Shephira, Beeroth, and Kirjath-Jerim. All of their cities were in the territory of Benjamin or near the border. Now, why were these specific groups of people left in the Promised Land? This is different than the limitations of partial obedience and the consequence of disobedience we saw in Judges chapter 2. There are three reasons why they are left. Once again, we're doing review. Number one, the test. Well, what was this test? It says the Lord tested them. And so we, you know, we've been doing a series on Sunday called the test of life and looking at what are the test of life and the test of the enemy. And there are tests that come from God. Now, here is a test that says specifically under the old covenant that was from God. What was the test? To put it simply, it was a test of choice. Well, what will you choose to do with the freedom and opportunity that you have been given? Will you choose God's way or will you choose another way? It is similar to the tree of good and evil in the midst of the Garden of Eden. You will always have a choice in life. Make sure you choose wisely. Number two, they were left as a teaching opportunity. This was a teaching opportunity for future generations of the children of Israel to learn how to use their faith to follow God into battle and expand their territory. Number three, as we shared last week, Israel was not big enough to fill the land yet. They weren't strong enough, not strong enough by uh, power standards, but strong enough in numbers because God told them, if I gave you everything in one day and one year, the land will be overgrown with weeds and wild animals because you're not large enough to take the land yet. And so let's go to verse five and move forward and I encourage you if you miss any of these parts, make sure you go back and study so that what we cover tonight makes even more sense and you have more of a foundation to build upon. Judges chapter three, verse five. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now we see some more people who dwelt in the land, different than what we just covered. Now, so let's look at them. The Hittites occupied the ancient region of Anatolia, also known as Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey, and expanded their territories into an empire which rivaled and threatened the established nation of Egypt. Many Hittites lived in Canaan from the time of the patriarchs even to the times of the prophet Ezekiel and the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah. Although their main empire territory was to the north, there were many Hittites who did live in the Canaan areas. Now the Amorites, the Amorites lived in the eastern parts of Canaan. They were one of the most powerful remaining nations left in Canaan. There are many nations left in Canaan as we've already covered, but one of the most powerful were the Amorites. Then it says the Perizzites. The Perizzites lived in the southern parts of Canaan, and their name implies that they lived in the open country and dwelt in villages. The Hivites, as we already covered, the Hivites made a covenant with, there the Hivites of Gibeon made a covenant with Joshua. The Jebusites, the Jebusites inhabited the land around a heavily fortified city that would one day be known as the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. Let's go to verse six. And they took their daughters to be wives and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rifshim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rifshim eight years. Now notice this, the issue or the sin or the problem wasn't the different races. Remember, a lot of these races are Semitic as well. They have similar ancestors. They have, it's the same region. The issue wasn't the races. The problem was the different gods. 
in a lot of these nations, even historians say, were very religious. They had their own religions. They served their own gods. So what happened when Israel began to mix with these other nations? They didn't take the one true God to them. They, the scripture says they forgot their one true God. They forgot the Lord. They forgot Yahweh. They forgot all about him. And they started to worship their gods. Now, when it's talking about the act of worship and singing songs to them and going to their temples, worship means they began to serve them. That means they began to live the way their gods told them to live. And when you, if you've ever studied the mythology of the time of the way that those gods lived, it's very similar and very um, heathenistic compared and, and uh, similar to some of the stories you learn about the Greco-Roman gods and their pantheon of gods and the immoral lifestyles they exhibited. You see the same thing with these Canaanite gods. So they're moving away from the way God told them to live. They're moving away from their covenant. They remove, they're moving their way from the law, the law of Moses that they've been instructed to follow. This is if you follow this law, you'll be blessed and you'll dwell in the land and all these good things will happen. They forget about God, forget about his ways, and they begin to live like the other Canaanites. Remember, we said this is a tragedy. Israel has this promising start, and they end up just like one of the other Canaanite nations that were left. Who they were, remember, a lot of the Canaanites were driven out because of the way they lived, and it was God's judgment upon them. So the scripture says they did evil in his sight, and as a result, according to the covenant, they were invaded. Remember, we looked at this again and again. I won't take really much any more time to describe it tonight. Their covenant stated that if you turn, you will be invaded by your enemies and you won't be able to defeat them. That was the terms of their covenant that they all agreed to for the generations. And so they forgot God. They did evil in his sight. An enemy comes from Mesopotamia to the south, invades them. And the area that overruns, remember we said about the book of Judges, once again, Bible teacher mode, study until you understand this book. The book of Judges covers many different stories. Some of them happen at the same time, and some of them happen at overlapping periods of times, and some of them happen in different areas of Israel, different regions. And so what we're about to read in Judges chapter 3, that this area that was invaded wasn't the whole land of Israel. It was the southern area of Israel. Go ahead and say it out loud and put it in the chat and put it in the notes. It's the southern area of Israel that is invaded by the king of Mesopotamia. It is the southern area of Israel. Remember, the book of Judges tells overlapping stories that affected different areas of the land. Verse 9. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Now, who is this first judge in the book? We've been introduced to him briefly before in chapter 1. It's Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Othniel is the nephew of Caleb. Othniel means line of God or force of God. Othniel is the nephew of Caleb. Yes, that Caleb of Joshua and Caleb, these great men of faith who stood strong in their generation when the rest of the generation turned away. Two of the 12 spies who stood strong and believed the report of the Lord when the rest of the 10 preached a message of doubt and unbelief. These two who stayed through all the years in the wilderness and who went into the promised land and battled in the promised land. This Caleb, his nephew, becomes the first judge in the book of Judges. And everything about him listed in the book that we see is positive. Now his name once again means line of God or force of God. His name means line of God or force of God. Othniel is already a hero in Israel. 
Remember, he conquered the city of Kiraf Sefer. We see that in Judges chapter 1, which also is a repeat of what we saw in the book of Joshua. These judges, as we said before, were not courtroom judges. They were regional political and military leaders. They were heroes. There are 12 judges in the book of Judges. There are 12 judges in the book of Judges. The exploits of six of these judges, Othniel, Ehud, Deborah, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson, are described in more detail, so they're usually called major judges. Whereas the other six, Shamgar, Tola, Jair, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, who only appear in brief descriptions, are designated as minor judges. So let's keep reading, going to verse 10. Let's learn more about Othniel. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan with Shem, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed over him. So the land had rest for 40 years, then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Notice this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and as a result of the Holy Spirit landing on him, he was able to judge Israel and deliver them from their enemy. He did it because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Remember that under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit did not rest on everybody. He didn't rest upon all, every believer, everybody part of the covenant. That was not the terms of the Old Covenant. That's one of the reasons why us as New Testament believers have a better covenant with better promises. Under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit only rested upon prophets, priests, and kings, and those with special assignments. Now put this in your notes. I want you to understand this. The, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only in a limited way too, rested upon the prophets, the priests, the kings, and those who had special assignments like the judges. Now the majority of the judges were not prophets, and so they were those who had special assignments, and the Holy Spirit rested upon them for the sake of fulfilling that assignment. Although the Holy Spirit empowered the judges, we see the specific phrase that he landed upon certain judges, Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson. And we know he, you know, he rushed upon all of them. But we see this phrase again and again, uh, again and again throughout the book, especially when it talks about Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson. And actually that phrase is repeated multiple times when it describes the life of Samson. Now, the Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals, you need to understand this point. So let's pause right here. Say it out loud and put it in the chat. I need to understand this point. I'm going to put it in the chat. Say it out loud. Say, I need to understand this point. Come on. Take, take a moment. Type in the chat. If you're in a place where you can type in the chat or if you're listening, say it out loud. Say, I need to understand this point. The Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyles. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyles. One more time. The Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyles. One of the things you'll see in the Old Testament, and we'll see it even true today, but we won't get into that today, is that the Holy Spirit would also rest upon the heathen for a specific assignment. The Holy Spirit resting upon these individuals was not an endorsement of their choices nor their lifestyles. We see in studying the lives of a few of these individuals, we see horrific choices that led to horrible consequences, even though they had the opportunity of having the Holy Spirit rest upon them. So if knowing that 
them resting upon them wasn't an endorsement of their choices or their lifestyle. Why would the Holy Spirit rest upon these judges and raise them up to be a judge? Well, we saw that in chapter 2. Let's read it again, verse 16 through 18 of Judges chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the message version this time. But it says, But then God raised up judges who saved them from their plunderers. But they wouldn't listen to their judges. They prostituted themselves to other gods, worshipped them. They lost no time leaving the road, walked by their parents, the road of disobedience. Of the road of obedience to God's commands. They refused to have anything to do with it. But then God raised up judges who saved them from their plunderers. But they wouldn't listen to their judges. They prostituted themselves to other gods. They worshipped them. They lost no time. Notice that they lost no time leaving the road walked by their parents. The road of God's obedience. They refused to have anything to do with it. When God was setting up judges for them, he would be right there with the judge. He would save them from the enemy's oppression as long as the judge was alive. For God was moved to compassion when he heard their groaning because of those who afflicted and beat them. But when the judge died, the people went right back to their old ways, but even worse than their parents. Running after other gods, serving and worshiping them, Stubborn as mules, they didn't, they didn't drop a single evil practice. The Lord raised up judges because of his compassion and mercy. Go ahead, put this in the chat. Put this in your notes. The Lord raised up judges because of his compassion and mercy. The Lord raised up judges because of his compassion and mercy. The Holy Spirit operating with the judge was a manifestation of God's mercy. The Holy Spirit operating with the judge was a manifestation of God's mercy. He would work with the judge as far as he could for the sake of his people. He would work with the judge as far as he could for the sake of his people. Well, knowing this, that it was a manifestation of God's mercy and the Holy Spirit resting upon them wasn't necessarily an endorsement of the life choices or lifestyle of the judge. How did these Old Testament judges successfully operate with the Spirit of God under an old covenant? The book of Hebrews tells us how. One of the verses we looked at as we began our intro to the series. Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read verse 32 through 34 from the New Living Translation. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, one of the judges, Barak, another judge, same time judge as with Deborah, Samson, another judge, Jephthah, another judge, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. These judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. These Old Testament judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. Although the Holy Spirit would land on them, they would still need to act. As the scripture says once in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say the just shall live by by faith. It is true under the old covenant as well as in the new. The just shall live by faith. As we share in our introduction to the series, we should learn from the faith of the judges. The judges had faith that God empowered them to fulfill their assignment. The judges had faith 
that God had empowered them to fulfill their assignment. When the Holy Spirit landed upon them, he anointed them for their assignment. When the Holy Spirit landed upon them, he anointed them for their assignment. So this leads me to reflection question number eight, a question I want you to answer. Before we begin to bring this to a close, reflection question number eight. What has the Holy Spirit specifically anointed you to do? Reflection question number eight. What has the Holy Spirit specifically anointed you to do? Once again, reflection question number eight. What has the Holy Spirit specifically anointed you to do? Because we look at here in the judges, we know what they were anointed to do. But do you know what you are anointed to do? Have you spent time with God to find out what you are anointed to do? 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, Now he who established us with you is in Christ and has anointed us is God. God is the one who has anointed us. Now, one of the things we saw about the ministry of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, 17 through 19, is that there was delivered unto Jesus the prophet of uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, one of the things in verse 15 through 16, this was his custom. This is what he did, not just when he went to um, church on this, or went to synagogue on the Sabbath. No, he would go into the synagogue. He would open to this place and he would read this. This is how he started. This is what he was doing. This is what God told him to preach in the first part of his ministry. He found the place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the first several months of Jesus' ministry before the Lord told him to preach another message, the next message Jesus began to preach after that was repent. You see it in the gospel, it tells you about the different messages Jesus was focusing on as he was traveling, going where his father told him to go. Remember, Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say, I only do what I see him do. So the the father had Jesus preach this message on the anointing, preaching that he was the anointed one. He was the Christ. He was anointed. And he described specifically what he was anointed to do. And this went everywhere because it says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Look at that. This message went everywhere because Peter says, you heard about it, how God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And what did Jesus did? He took that anointing and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him him. Jesus operated by the anointing. You have been anointed by God. By faith, you must partner with the anointing on your life. I'll say it again. By faith, you must partner with the anointing that's on your life. One more time. By faith, you must partner with the anointing that's on your life. Just like the judges partner with the anointing that's on their life. You must partner with the anointing that's on your life. Your anointing is connected to your call. Your anointing is connected to your call. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Notice that we're called according to his purpose 
and his grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Galatians 1.15 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Paul later says in 1 Corinthians 15.10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. As we've covered before, grace has 21 different definitions, but one of those definitions which applies in these three places we looked at is the anointing of the spirit. Paul operated by the anointing as well. Notice he said in this last passage we looked at that he outworked all the other apostles, but he didn't outwork them alone. He outworked them with this partnership and the anointing of God. He outworked them under the grace of God. And what is one of the ways Paul partnered with the anointing? By faith. Now let's bring this to a close looking at James chapter 2 verse 17. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Edition. James chapter 2, verse 17. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power and operated of, or dead. Or in other words, faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. Reflection question number eight. What actions are you regularly undertaking to operate under the anointing that is upon your life? What actions are you regularly undertaking to operate under the anointing that is upon your life? Or simply, how are you operating under the anointing today? How? Because some people say, well, when I come to church, I'm under the anointing. True. But the anointing is not just for church. The, church is not, the anointing is not just for things that you deem churchy or churchianity or serving in church or things related to that period of time on Sunday. How are you daily operating under the anointing? How are you daily operating in the area that God has called you in? Now you say, well, I'm not really in that season. I'm, you know, I haven't stepped out to where I know what God has called me to do. Well, preparing is part of operating under the anointing. Now, David is a perfect example. He was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king for number 13 years, another 13 years. But everything David did between taking down a giant, between serving the king, between being a, uh, having victory over the Philistines and a whole list of other things over those 13 years, he did it under the anointing. But that time was a time of preparation. It's time God getting him ready to step into that role and God transitioned him into that role. So even if you're a time of preparing or transitioning, you can still operate under the anointing. Even if you're in a season of preparing and transitioning, you can still operate under the anointing. Preparation is never lost time. Now with that, sometimes we get so excited about the anointing on our lives, we received a word, we know that we're anointed, and guess what? We step out too soon. No, do not step out into the season you're anointed for until that season arrives. Don't get out there early. You get out there early, guess what? That place, that area is not prepared for you yet. But when you step out in that season, you'll be walking into exactly what God has for you. So if you are in the season, if you are in the season where you're actively doing what God has called you to do, you need to make sure you are operating under the anointing. If you're in the season where you're actively doing what God has called you to do, you need to make sure you are operating under the anointing. If you're in the season where you are actively doing what God has called you to do. You need to make sure you're operating under the anointing. Now, I remember years ago, I was just doing some office work that needed to get done some day during the week. It wasn't a Sunday. It was just different office work that you have to do when you're in ministry. And, 
You know, I was just singing one of these old songs we used to sing, The Holy Spirit's my helper. On him I will depend. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. And singing it just inside of my heart, not out loud, just in my heart. Because the scripture says, you know, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, you know, we should keep these things bubbling up in our heart. And I'm just singing this, just, you know, making, I think I was either making copies or doing something. And then the Holy Spirit said, well, let me help then. I'm like, oh, excuse me, helper, I didn't let you help. Well, how could you help me, Mama? You know, I could pause and inquire, well, what, how am I operating or they know it to this moment? What help is available to me that I haven't tapped into? And it's not just for me in ministry, even in the what people don't see behind the scenes of ministry of work that has to be done. It's not just for me. It's for you, too. There are areas in your life as you're fulfilling the plan of God for your life that I'm sure that you haven't partnered with the anointing, that there's an anointing available for you to partner with. So how, as we close, can you partner with the anointing? Number one, daily ask for God's guidance. Daily ask for God's guidance and whatever he tells you to do, make sure you do it. Number two, daily ask for his insight. Number two, daily ask for his insight. Why you want to see things correctly. Because if you see things wrongly, you'll operate a wrong way and you won't get the results you're supposed to. So number one, daily ask for his guidance. Number two, daily ask for his insight. Number three, daily ask for his help. Number three, daily ask for his help. So said number one, daily ask for his guidance. Number two, daily ask for his insight. Number three, daily ask for his help. Number four, acknowledge the anointing on your life. Acknowledge the anointing that's on your life. Remember, we asked you that in question number seven. Whatever you're anointed to do, you need to talk about it. If you're anointed to be a teacher, you need to talk about that. You can say, Father, I thank you for the anointing that's upon me to teach this class, to teach this grade, to teach these students. If you're a nurse, Father, I thank you that you have anointed me to be a nurse. I thank you for the anointing that's on me to be a blessing to these patients, to help these patients. And list all the different responsibilities that you have to do with a nurse because there's many that you have to do. If you are anointed to be a business leader, so Father, I'm anointed to be, whether you're CFO, CEO, COO, whatever that is, and whatever your description of responsibilities are, you talk about you're anointed to do that. You're an accountant, so Father, I thank you that I'm anointed to be an accountant. And you list what you have to do that day and your responsibilities, and you thank God for the anointing that's upon your life to do that. You say, well, I'm anointed to, in construction. Well, God has anointed me for construction. Father, I thank you for the anointing that's upon my life this day. And you list the different projects that you have to fulfill. Wherever it is, identify the anointing that's on your life and talk about it. You activate that anointing by acknowledging it. So acknowledge the anointing on your life. So number one, daily ask God for his guidance. Number two, daily ask for his insight. Number three, daily ask for his help. Number four, acknowledge the anointing on your life. Number five, expect God results. Number five, expect God results. Because when you operate under the anointing, the anointing produces God results. It produces miracles. It produces things that only the power of God can. And that's what the anointing is. It is the power of God upon you to produce God results. So number five, expect God results. So number one, daily ask for his guidance. Number two, daily ask for his insights. Number three, daily ask for his help. Number four, acknowledge the anointing on your life. Number five, expect God results. Now, of course, that means you got to pray more. I'm always going to call you to pray more. One of the things you also have to do tonight, take some time and ask God, where am, I, where am I anointed that I haven't even considered yet? Where is an area of my life that I didn't acknowledge the anointing? 
Reflect on questions number seven and number eight tonight. Look at your notes tonight. Look at it tomorrow morning and begin to put these things into practice. Take some time. Answer these questions. Reflect on these questions. And it's going to take you further in the area that God has called you to be in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you that you have anointed us. Help us to partner better with the anointing so we can operate on the anointing so we can produce God results in our lives. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Help us to be hearers of this word and not just doers only. Help us to be not just hearers of this word, but help us to be doers of this word so we can be blessed in our doing as it says so in the book of James. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, and so be it. Praise God. I want to, before we close and pray and do our altar call, receive an offering, I want to lead you in what I call the results declaration. And I put it in part of the No Longer Mere Mortals book that we did the series and talked about earlier this year. And I want you to say it with me wherever you are. All right, you ready to say it with me? Whether you're watching live or via replay, I want you to say this results declaration with me. Because remember, number five, we're expecting God results. Number, say it with me. You ready? Come on, put it in the chat. If you're watching somebody, put it in the chat. Say, I'm ready. You ready? Go ahead and put it in the chat. You say, I'm ready. Put it in the chat. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on. You ready? Say, I am anointed. I am the blessed. The grace of God rest upon me. I have been anointed, empowered, blessed, and graced to produce superhuman results. Now, I want you to say out loud whatever career or profession God has called you in. Go ahead and say that out loud. I do not settle for mere mortal results because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The anointing, grace, and blessing of God are working strongly in my life and in everything that concerns me. The blessing on my life Grants me God ideas, concepts, insights, and disruptive innovations in my field. I yield to the voice of the Spirit of God. I hear his voice and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. As I listen to and obey his voice, I will know what to do in every situation. Father, thank you for your anointing, your grace, and your blessing. Praise God. Amen. I believe today's message encouraged you, it strengthened you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles.
God bless.